what are some of like the the new applications that you think are going to be you know big opportunities for people to kind of jump into and get their get their feet wet in the business i'm excited about the the whole asset tracking of the goods and and shipments that go globally mm. you know i mean if you think about it Knowing where that that shipment is or that package, but not only knowing where it is, knowing if it's temperature sensitive, has that temperature remained consistent throughout its its uh, you know transportation lifestyle life cycle? Is it affected by humidity or you know light drop? There's so many things that you know. Like one of the one of my personal favorites is like the beer industry. You know, you see these kegs of beer being transferred across the country from brewery to distributor to bar restaurant. You know, I mean, a, a keg of beer has like 75 to 90 day life cycle on it because it's perishable. Yeah. And then beer has to be at a draft beer should be at a consistent temperature. Being able to track those individual kegs from the brewery to the distributor to the bar owner, that bar owner should be able to look at that invoice before they sign it and say yep this cake has been you know temperature consistent this one has this one has not i don't want it i'll send it back on today's podcast i'm joined by chris bursey ceo of dcs a publicly traded company that provides next gen lte software as a service or SaaS solutions for the internet of things or iot industry. Chris is a pioneer in the wireless communication industry with over 20 years dedicated to the adoption of wireless technologies throughout all industries ranging from cellular payment processing to the creation of cellular routers and GPS monitoring devices. Uh, Before we start, it's just a reminder that none of this content or the podcast should be taken as investment advice. Chris, it's a pleasure to have you on, on the podcast today. Nice to meet you. Thank you, Nick. So, so really, I mean, I'm sure you've listened to the podcast before. Um, our, our purpose of the podcast is really to uncover uh, opportunities for innovators, entrepreneurs, investors that are looking at you know, innovative spaces that are going to be changing and, and, and adapting over the next number of years. And, and IoT is one that comes up you know, you know, quite a lot with our listeners and, and asking questions. So I guess before we dive into that, I'd love to learn... You know, just a little bit more about yourself. I dug into your resume, pretty impressive. So I'd love to hear you know, just a little bit more about your career and kind of how you started in the world of entrepreneurship. Uh, you know, thank you, Nick. Thanks for the uh, kind words and introduction. Um, you know, it's been a long road, won't lie. Um, joined the Navy when I was 17, did uh, eight years in the Navy, four years on the USS Midway before it was a museum, which kind of dates me. Um, four years on the Kitty Hawk. Got out, um, went to school, was a 911 dispatcher for the San Diego Police Department for five years, and got my break in IoT in 1997-ish, 98, with a company called Novatel Wireless here in San Diego, which is now in Seago. And uh, spent my time in corporate America, worked for Novatel Wireless, um, went to a company called Wavecom, which was then acquired by Sierra Wireless, all selling embedded modules. And then... Uh, Motorola, where I worked for Motorola Israel, managing North and South America. And then uh, woke up one morning and said, I'm either going to do it on my own or I'm never going to do it. And I uh, 
rolled the dice and took the leap and I'm glad I did. Here I am today. So I find it, I find it really interesting that, um, you know, you mentioned that last uh, statement that uh, you got your break in IOT in 1997. Were people even re referring to it as IOT at the time or it was um, actually, yeah. it, it, I don't think it was called anything then. It was, uh, the first big acronym was M to M machine to machine. Um, but you know, it's, it's come a long way. I started out selling CDPD, um, code division, multiple or code division, something access 19.2 throughput speeds. And today, you know, we're into gigabyte speeds. So massive, massive transition over the last you know, 20 years in this space. Cause at what, I mean, IOT started to become a pretty household term, like what in the last decade, probably, is that yeah. correct? And, yep. and, and what do you think like spurred that, that conversation um, to really becoming forefront into sort of the average person's dialect and, and what they were talking about? You know, I think it was a combination of the carriers um, had a very, the cellular carriers had a very aggressive, you know, technology roadmap and rollout with their, you know, their networks and their speeds and capacity. And, you know, this IOT is still in its infancy stage and yeah. the future is just, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what the next 20 years looks like. And if, and if you had a crystal ball sitting on that desk of yours, and if you do, I'd like to have a look at it. Like what, what are some of the, the major kind of inflection points or, or big change that you see happening over the next five, 10, 20 years that, that aren't happening today? You know, it's, it's really the creativity. I mean, some of the products, devices, things, solutions, software that are being developed right now are, you know, it's something I never would have even considered 20 years ago when I started out. And it's, you know, it, it's across all verticals and all markets in IOT. You know, to me, IOT is everything. It's anything, you know, your IOT, I can pull data from you and your body. That data is very valuable to the healthcare industry. You know, I can pull data from the lights, the electricity, the HVAC vehicles, assets, you know, it's all about harvesting that big data and then giving it back to the end user in a usable fashion that allows them to efficiently and effectively run their business. That makes a lot of sense. So if you were to boil down the term IOT, like how would you personally define what the internet of things is? It's a tough one. Everybody's got a different answer. Me personally, again, it's everything. It's anything, you know, it's, if there's a sensor or there's a way to, you know, harvest that data that comes off that device asset thing, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You know, that data is useful on many levels. You know, it's useful for predictive maintenance, right? I mean, I like to call IOT insurance, right? I mean, as a society, we're conditioned to buy insurance on our health, cars, house, kids, teeth, life. Why wouldn't you buy insurance on your machine? So you can proactively predict and get in front of any maintenance issues that, you know, may not have the same monetary cost as letting it go into a bigger problem. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. And so maybe transitioning there, like, how did you, how did you get involved with DCS? Like what, what did that all look like? And, and how long ago was that? Uh, 2006 and literally woke up one morning and said, 
I'm either going to do something on my own or I'm going to be doing this and carrying a bag for the rest of my life and rolled the dice and wouldn't change anything at this point. Amazing. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's scary, but it's rewarding. And if you're willing to put in the time, the effort and the sacrifice and, you know, fight through it, you can, you can do pretty much anything you want. Yeah. Must, must've been a pretty defining moment in, in your life, that decision. Hey, Oh, there were some tough conversations in the house in the early years about making payroll and, you know, (laughs) paying the bills and stuff. But, uh, you know, you know, again, I literally started it in a spare bedroom. Just woke up one morning and said, I'm done. This is what I'm going to do. And, you know, fortunately I had the, uh, relationships and experience and contacts in the industry, you know, worked out well. Amazing. Yeah. I, I remember kind of that moment for me, um, kind of transitioning from, you know, building others dreams to really solely working on my own. And, and that was, I guess, five or six years ago. Now I was 25 at the time and, right. uh, was just the moment that the world really kind of opened up, uh, for me. And, and as you said, lots of, lots of challenging conversations with, with partners and friends and family and, you know, leaving this road that was, you know, filling the bank account every month. And, but, um, I think that transition to really working on the things that you personally find impactful, uh, such a rewarding journey. Um, and I don't know if there is many other journeys that, that teach you as much, not only about the, the marketplace or service that you're, that you're servicing, but, but also yourself. And, um, I'm sure you can allude to that. Is there any kind of like big lessons that you've, you've learned about yourself kind of like through that discovery process? And now obviously being, you know, 15 years into that journey, um, is there anything you've really learned about yourself during that period? Um, I think you learn every day and, you know, I really try to take that approach that I'm not the smartest guy in the room. And, you know, I think listening is one of the biggest attributes that I've picked up over the years Mm. because you have two ears and a mouth for a reason, right? I mean, if you really listen to your customers, you listen to their needs, their pain points, you know, you can, you can create the solution that will solve their problem. And that's really what people are looking for, right? They, you know, I've got a problem. Can you fix my problem and, you know, save me money in the process? And there's a lot of competition out there. And, you know, it's just a question of how hard you, uh, how hard do you want to work and, you know, how, how willing are you to hustle and, you know, do what it takes to service and satisfy your customers. Yeah, for sure. So let's dig a little bit more into DCS as a company. Um, you started it, you know, 15 years ago. And so how, how has the company kind of evolved and, and, and what are your kind of core servicing service offerings that you provide to your clients now? So we started out initially, we were a wireless module distributor, um, selling the, the core cellular components, basically the handset or the smartphone without the plastics and such. Started selling that, um, did very well, figured out that, you know, it was such a technical sale and, you know, technical integration effort, um, really beefed up on our 
our engineering side, so we're very heavy on the engineering side just because it's the nature of the, the industry, right? And so yeah. It's very technical. Did that for seven or eight years. Um, price points eroded, saw it coming, so we moved up, started um, selling GPS tracking devices. Did that for, we still do that today, but you know, same thing, very technical sale. Yeah. That's where we really created our value and found our space. And then uh, recently we just started transitioning into more of a SaaS offering for providing the full solution to customers. So, you know, transportation logistics is probably our core offering today. Um, we are moving into more sensors, more tablet type stuff, more, you know, creating that value solution around the GPS tracking side, right? So when you really look at it, it's really a, you know, it's, it's a question of how many data points can you get nose to tail on a truck, right? And a lot of people are focused on, well, I'll give you the dots on the map and where it is and speed maybe. We're, we take the approach of, yeah, we can give you that, but what about tire pressure monitoring systems or ultrasonic fuel level sensors or seatbelt monitors or load balancing or, you know, door temperature, humidity. We really, we're very good from an engineering technical perspective of pulling all those different things together into a solution that solves the customer's problem and creates value for them. That makes a lot of sense. And, and maybe this question is out of left field and, and, and feel free to not answer it, but you know, I've been reading a lot kind of over the last, you know, three, four years that, you know, I think truck drivers are the number one most employed profession in like some 13 or 15 states across the U.S. And there's, you know, there's obviously some, you know, concern from some side and opportunities from another that self-driving um, will be replacing a lot of those jobs. And so how are you thinking about that kind of revolution and how it's going to impact, you know, the work that DCS does with some of these transportation companies? I personally think I will be long gone by the time self-driving tractor trailers are, are the norm. Um, you know, it's it's a safety issue with drivers. You know, video telematics is a big push for us right now, just, you know, to provide that, that video layer of what's going on in the cab or in front of the vehicle or truck, for example. Um, it gives that video evidence in the event of an accident or a crash. So, you know, it allows people to you know, really kind of fight some frivolous lawsuits out there. And yeah. it also gives them the ability to coach and train their drivers. Mm. You know, like, hey, you're on your phone, you're smoking, you're this, you're that, your seatbelt was, you know, it gives them that, that driver scorecard almost where they can, you know, coach, train, or terminate. Um, and then, you know, the big thing right now is fuel costs. Yeah. Right? So no kidding. when you start looking, you know, in California, six, $7 for a gallon of gas, you know, if you have a driver that idles two hours a month, you're positive on your investment in one of our solutions to manage that vehicle because you can take that data and act on it and then, you know, coach or train or terminate your drivers or set policies based on that. You know, tire pressure monitoring systems, if your tires aren't at the right tire pressure, you burn more fuel, yeah. right? So there's a lot of inherent value that resides in these solutions that is, you know, more than just tracking that vehicle or that asset. 
And that's really what we're, we're focused on is, you know, creating that full value proposition for the customers. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, even just that one vertical alone is a massive, massive business. Um, you know, how are you thinking like about, you know, total addressable market for, for DCS? Like, is that a, a niche or a vertical that you guys are really pushing to grow your business? It sounds like there's some other verticals that you're interested in. Like, how are you thinking about splitting your time between the different opportunities in front of you? Um, you know, I like to be a fast follower. I like yeah. to, you know, make sure other people blaze the trail, validate the market, and then watch out. We come in behind you. And, you know, we've got the the experience and the knowledge and the relationships that, you know, we can get very creative on solutions and, you know, not give that corporate cookie cutter software solution or, you know, here, here's what we have, deal with it. We take the approach of what's your problem and we're going to fix your problem, right? Because every, you know, IOT, people say transportation logistics. I mean, to me, every solution for every customer is different in some way or, you know, form or fashion. Some may want 30 second reporting, minute reporting, 40 degree heading changes, 20 degree, you know, I mean, everybody's got their own wish list and that's really what we try to cater to by providing those tweaks that almost give them a custom solution for their business. That's great. And so what, I mean, what types of companies in particular are, um, you know, find your solutions most advantageous to them? You know, right now, honestly, it's a lot of uh, SMB companies. It's the uh, landscapers, the HVAC service industry, um, getting more and more uh, opportunities in like school buses, transportation, um, and then being able to, you know, continually bring in that additional value. Um, you know, one example is the whole ESG initiative, the environmental, social, and governance. You know, within our system, we can pull data points that allow companies to then take that data and create their own ESG solution that, you know, benefits them down the line if they're public or going public, raising money. You know, it's, it's that... Uh, it's that additional layer of value that people really don't think about that when you expose them to it, they're like, wow, didn't even know you could do that. But yeah, we yeah. People don't know what they don't know. For sure. And I bet you a lot of that space that, that you operate in is, has been kind of running the way they've been running for years and years. And I'm sure the additional value that, that you can provide given all the data um, is, is pretty immense for them. And I'm sure the, the cost savings are a pretty compelling sell to have your solution sort of on their service. Yeah, no, and, you know, we're very open and honest with our customers and partners. And, you know, if we can't do it, we'll tell you we can't do it. And if somebody else told you they can't do it, I'd be more than happy to do some free consulting for you and get on the phone and expose them yeah but like i said it's still in its infancy i couldn't think or dream of a better industry or career to be in Mm -hmm. and it's just going to get better i mean it's amazing what's being created out there right now well let's dig into that a little bit like so you know you've mentioned a few times that you know it's really in its infancy like what are the big structural changes that you're seeing happen sort of 
under under kind of your eyes right now that you think are going to be you know big value drivers of IoT a few years from now? I'd say first and foremost, cost costs have come down considerably over the years, and they've made it you know you know palatable for people to actually entertain IoT solutions. Got it. Um, we just went through, or we're still going through it industry-wide, the uh, technology transition on the network carrier side from 2G, 3G to 4G, 5G. Yeah. Um, that, you know, that's a, a whole new recycle of uh, opportunity, right? Because they're forced, you know, that network transition, that technology transition is forcing people to upgrade their hardware, which means then they can get exposed to more software solutions, SaaS, more apps and things. And, you know, the networks now, you know, now that we've done that transition to 4G, 5G, we've, we're future-proof for the next five, six years, yeah. right? So we're going to have a very stable environment, infrastructure to run off of. And, um, you know, there's a lot of money being pumped into this space and you know, a lot of development, R&D, a lot of creativity out there right now. And it's it's a global environment. I mean, our ecosystem isn't limited to San Diego or the U.S. or a thing. It's a global initiative that, you know, it's all based on partnerships and relationships. Well, it seems like to me being, you know, a, a relative uh, newcomer to learning about IoT, it seems like a bit of a perfect storm with, you know, cost driving down. I would assume that some of that is, you know, Moore's Law or technological advancement and the sort of sensors and everything becoming cheaper and then you've got this like product recycle every time the wireless networks go on and, and so you know it's becoming more and more accessible and even the companies that are that i guess were forward thinking are having to re-upgrade every time the wireless network gets changed is it, am i kind of thinking about this correctly oh yeah it's it's a cycle you know and i mean there are people out there talking about 6G, 7G, 8G. You know, I'm like, guys, we just literally got 4G, 5G kind of stabilized and, you know, everybody transitioned over. And, you know, the majority of IoT, in my opinion, in you know, the space we address, it's really, you know, really monitoring the machine aspect of it, right? There's a lot of... IOT for smart cities and, you know, smart homes and, you know, that's a segment that, you know, is going to boom and is booming. And, you know, there's still a lot of growth available there. But when you think about actual machines, there's like, depending on what report you read, 10, 15, 20 machines to every person. Wow. Right. So, and, you know, every one of those machines, asset things, they produce valuable big data and you know, that's what it's all about. It's harvesting that big data and giving it back to people in a usable fashion that they're willing to pay for. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, fr from my, you know, when I think about IOT, I, I think I was almost conditioned to think about how to make the home smarter and how the kitchen will talk to your grocer and your, you know, your different appliances talk to one another. But when you kind of peel the onion back and think about, you know, I'm just looking around uh, my office, you know, the amount of devices that are in here compared to the amount of humans that are in here, 
um, is is pretty staggering, and that you know fifteen or twenty. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I do it to people when they come to our office. They walk in our our conference room. We're like, you know, there's eighteen data points in here. You got your electrical outlets, your lights, your temperature, your humidity, your door, water leak detect, your occupancy sensors, heat sensors, your air quality monitor, your this. I mean, and then look at yourself. I mean, wearing a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or what? There's valuable data that's being collected there that is absolutely IoT. It's just a different thing it's being collected from. It's a human versus a machine. Yeah. And so how, like, is that something that DCS is interested in? Is that, that kind of like mesh between human and, and computer? Or I mean, it sounds like you guys have got your hands full uh, just kind of operating as you are, but is that something that you're thinking about is how to, to mesh that between real human data? I couldn't even begin to tell you what goes through my mind at two o'clock in the morning sometimes when I wake up and start thinking about it. it, it I mean, there's always an inflection point. There's always going to be that, you know, that coming together of the different verticals within the vertical. Yeah. It's, um, you know, that's really the, the holy grail that, you know, we're driving towards for the long-term growth and expansion of the company is, you know, creating that one pane of glass platform that you can log into and you can see everything associated with your business, your people, your vendors, you know, whatever you want. If there's a sensor out there that, you know, monitors it, it can be integrated in and that's value to your company and value to our company as well. Yeah, that, that makes, I mean, that just almost gives me anxiety thinking about the complexity of a solution like that. Um, and I'm sure you guys, it, it, it must just be, immense amount of computing power to be able to solve for those types of things. Um, it's, um, yeah. And you know, it's really just, again, you got to solve the problem, the real world problem that customers face daily. And if you can do that and show them that there's an ROI there and, you know, it makes their business better and, you know, more profitable in their bottom line, you know, it's hard for people to, you know, it's hard to people. It's hard for people to initially wrap their mind around what you're talking about, and you're like, "Yeah, but if I can tell you what the temperature is in your cooler, or if it goes out beforehand, how much perishable food do you lose if that cooler goes out and it sits overnight, or if that temperature drops two degrees, I can give you an actionable alert or notice. You can go act on it and save ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars in perishables. You know, and I think." I ask everywhere I go, managers, have you ever had your cooler go out? Oh, yeah. What it cost you? I don't know, thousands of dollars. You could literally pay for one of these systems for years to avoid that that one instance, which, again, I call insurance. Yeah. And and, and if you were to boil it down for our listeners, like what, what is the actual product that you guys offer? Is it hardware? Is it software? Is it a combination of both? Could you maybe just walk through that a little bit yeah I mean, every every iot solution has three pillars that it's built on hardware or device or thing so the physical aspect of it the platform or software that you know collects the data parses the data out and gives it back in a usable fashion and then the airtime or connectivity so we um we focus on creating the solutions and we leverage our ecosystem of partners across all of these. So we provide 
the hardware, the software platform, and the connectivity as well. So we, we're we one-stop shop. We don't send people out to say, hey, you know, here's your hardware, go figure out your software or your airtime, or here's your hardware and platform, go figure out your... We bring all that together and we work with, you know, multiple best-in-class partners across the industry for, you know, for creating these solutions. One of the things that I found really interesting about your company doing research into it was that, you know, I'll... I'll I'll, I'll take I'll take the elephant in the room and 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 <laughs> expose it. The you know the technology companies from an investment standpoint have been have been hit pretty damn hard the last you know six months. Um, you know di- digging you know into your company. You know you're not you know just a you know fly by night kind of technology business. You guys have real clients, have real revenues, have EBITDA if I'm not mistaken, and so. You know how are how are you thinking about kind of the next few years of your your business, um, and and how how are you thinking about the the public markets and sort of the valuation that your company's given? Like what I mean, what were your revenues kind of the last you know year or last few quarters, if you don't mind touching on that? So last year was a very the last two years honestly very difficult with the global pandemic, and then right behind that you know, as a direct result was the, uh, the supply chain disruption. Yeah. Um, last year was really tough with supply chain the year before with the pandemic. I mean, you know, we have people in the office, we have to physically touch stuff and do stuff. So, you know, it really forced us to, to look at better ways to operate. Um, you know, last year we did 16.5 million, um, we announced our Q1 this year. We did 7.8. So wow. we're, uh, we're, we're coming out of it. We're starting to see, you know, a lot of opportunity and, you know, things are getting back to normal. So, you know, it's very encouraging and, you know, we're going to be around. We're, uh, yeah. you know, we, the way I look at it is we suffered. We suffered the, uh, we suffered through the worst that we could imagine for two years. And you know, now we're going to thrive. You know, we're all excited. And so, like, what what does the roadmap look like for DCS? Like, how do you see things playing out over the next few years, and where kind of the company is focuses? Personally, global domination. I want it all. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, we're gonna we're gonna focus on our core strengths, which is you know technical integration engineering support um and really focus on you know building the the one pane of glass platform offering that'll combine you know everything that's associated with your business in one one login one account one username one password one bill and is that something that you guys have already started building or is that kind of in the product pipeline it's um it's in development right now. It's uh, just a big undertaking. Yeah. Right? And we're uh, we're trying to not get too far in front of ourselves on it, and you know, really take our time because I want it done right, and you know, it's crucial that we do it right because you only get one shot in this industry. Yeah, totally. One of the things I found uh, really interesting about your resume when I was doing some research. Was that you're on the on Verizon's 
uh, IoT Advisory Council. So uh, wh what exactly does that mean and what, what does that work kind of look like? You know, it's a it's a new concept that, you know, all the carrier, all the cellular carriers are starting to adopt right now. Um, you know, it really kind of, it gives the top performers within their, their partner channel. It gives us a venue to get in front of their IOT executive leadership team. And, you know, we have different views on how things are going in the market and what's, you know, what's happening because, you know, we're in the weeds, we're in the trenches every day dealing with day-to-day -day issues. And, you know, I think it's beneficial for, you know, the other side as well, because then they get to hear what we're seeing and, you know, the feedback from our side. And, you know, it's, uh, it's encouraging. It's been a long time coming and, you know, I'm really excited about the fact that, they are starting, people are really starting to pay attention to IOT as, you know, it's a lot of green fields out there, a lot of opportunities. And, yeah. you know, if you really get down to the, you know, nuts and bolts of it, IOT is all about communication, right? mm. communicating with machines. We should be communicating as an industry amongst ourselves as well to help facilitate that creativity and, you know, development and, growing the business and growing the opportunities in the market. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of competitiveness within the space of the of the different companies like yours must be incredibly competitive as you know, the market is expected to get, I'm sure, so much bigger as just like, I'm sure data points are growing at a sort of orders of magnitude type curve rather than exponential, if I'm correct. Oh yeah, it's it it's gonna explode. It I I can't wait. I I'm serious. I I'm I'm excited to see what the next five, ten, fifteen, twenty years yeah. really produce from this industry. So let's imagine that you're talking to let's call it a twenty-five or thirty-year-old young guy or girl that's looking to get into the IoT space, has a long sort of runway in front of them. What are some of like the, the new applications that you think are going to be, you know, big opportunities for people to kind of jump into and get their get their feet wet in the business? You know, I'm uh, I'm excited about the the whole asset tracking of the goods and, and shipments that go globally. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if you think about it, you know, knowing where that that shipment is or that package, but not only knowing where it is, knowing if it's temperature sensitive, has that temperature remained consistent throughout its, its, uh, you know, transportation lifestyle life cycle. Is it affected by humidity or, you know, light drop? There's so many things that, you know, like one of the, one of my personal favorites is like the beer industry. You know, you see these kegs of beer being transferred across the country from brewery to distributor to bar restaurant. You know, I mean, a, a keg of beer has like 75 to 90 day life cycle on it because it's perishable. Yeah. And then beer has to be at a draft beer should be at a consistent temperature. Being able to track those individual kegs from the brewery to the distributor to the bar owner, that bar owner should be able to look at that invoice before they sign it and say 
yep, this keg has been, you know, temperature consistent. This one has, this one has not. I don't want it. I'll send it back. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot of value in that. It's a brand issue for the, the beer companies. It's a, you know, it's a cost issue, fuel, you know. Yeah, no kidding. And, and I guess sort of that, that intersection between, you know, IoT and the supply chain, which is obviously one of the the biggest buzzwords on the internet right now. Um, oh, yeah. and, and for good reason, um, you know, you see so many companies impacted by supply chain disruption and, and waiting to have some kind of solution where you had, you know, allowed you to make better business decisions that gave you real time reporting on where your goods and services actually are would probably make immense uh, impact on the world. Oh, just knowing where your containers are when they come off those ships. I mean, those, believe it or not, they get lost all the time. I bet. And nobody knows what's inside of them. If it's perishable, you're not only losing the container, you're losing all that shipping charges, the time, the delays, and then the cost of those, you know, those perishables that you're losing. Or is it theft? You know, there's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of solutions out there that you know will give people that insurance of hey, at least I can take action on events now that I would never would have known about before. No and kidding. it's twenty seven three sixty five, right? Yeah, it I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure so much of it is just blind at this point. You're just like, well, this thing's gonna hopefully show up. It's kind of like getting off getting off the aircraft and heading over to the baggage carousel and being like, where's my luggage? Where's no, my luggage? No, you know, a lot of it's just, it's acceptable loss. And people write it off, they build it into their price, and it's like, but if we can reduce your loss and increase your profitability and your revenue, you know, why wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah but, you I'm know, sure. again, back to the infancy stage, there still needs to be a lot of education, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, you know, they don't know. And I, you know, I sympathize with them starting this out, you know, with nothing. You know, I go and talk to a, a sandwich shop about IoT. And I always try to keep in mind, you know, how many sandwiches does this guy have to sell each month to pay for what I'm trying to sell? him, And what is, you know, what's his upside by paying for this? You know, that's really what it comes down to. You know, yeah. it's historically been very expensive, you know. That's all changing now. So, you know, cost reduction, you know, across the board is it's going to help facilitate the uh, the rollout. Yeah. And you see a lot of kind of cross similarities between other industries that have been, I think, one I, I would it kind of comes to mind as I am uh, an investor in a solar franchising business. And you've just seen the cost to implement solar just be driven down so significantly uh, to the point, and the, the efficiency of the solar panels has increased so dramatically that you're now entering this kind of like sweet spot where the implementation cost is is being far exceeded by the value generation, and it seems like something a similar type of equation uh, in a, in IoT. Very similar. You know, it it's again we're you know it's been around for. A whole, you know, 15, 20 years. I don't think we've even scratched the surface, to be honest with you. And, you know, it's not just, you know, when you really start digging into it, you know, 
you know, people are doing AI, you know, facial recognition, you know, machine learning, you know, blockchain, you go on and on with all the cool technology that, you know, really needs IoT to be relevant when you think about it, right? Because yeah. it's got to be able to pull that data from somewhere to, you know, kick off their, their workflow. Yeah, it seems like that's kind of the data underpinning a lot of those kind of new age technologies that are getting and, ha and have been getting so much, especially investment love over the last decade of money flowing there. But without the right data and the right way to systemize it and have the platform to allow them to make decisions, it seems like those sort of overarching themes are, are less impactful. I don't even know how people can make decisions without the data. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're just throwing a dart a yeah. blind, blindfolded, essentially. Listen, numbers don't lie. Right. I mean, right. if the numbers are there and, you know, you can point out the ROI and show the savings, not only today, but in the future. And, you know, maybe efficiencies or maybe they can, you know, get a discount on their insurance because they implemented some of this, you know. It doesn't make sense not to adopt IoT, in my opinion. Yeah, it makes it makes a ton of sense. So we're we're getting near the end here, and I and I'm just fascinated by this conversation. Um, but I'd love to learn, just like we asked this to a, to a few of the people we have come on, like what what's been kind of the a low point that you can remember about being in the IoT space, and then has there been any kind of like high point that really kind of like reaffirm that you're on the right path. Is there any kind of memories that, that stick out at you? Recently, yeah, COVID and supply chain were definitely low parts. Yeah. I would say the highest part to date was being invited onto your podcast. <laughs> no, I, I mean, honestly, the highest part, highest point right now is, you know, where we are today and, you know, the exciting future of, you know, of continuing to grow the company and uplist and, you know, really, really make an impact on the world, not just, you know, through IOT, but, you know, through our company and our actions and our, uh, you know, our contributions. Amazing. Well, I, I appreciate your contribution, especially given uh, the sort of deep dive and learning more about the solutions that you guys do offer. If, if people want to learn more about your company or your ticker symbol could you maybe give them you know some places that they could they could look and, and find out more yeah so our company website is dcs david charles sam uh, business.com our nasdaq our ticker symbols are dcx dcsx and dcsi.cn for the okay. canadian stock amazing and then um, if people want to, you know, get connected to someone at your company, is there sort of a best way to maybe get in, in touch with your investor relations people or who would be the best people to talk to if someone was looking to, to get introduced to the company? Um, probably through our investor relations tab on our website. Okay. There's uh, contact information for the, uh, the correct people. Beautiful. Well, Chris, I, uh, I thank you for taking out the time to empower our listeners with some knowledge and myself and i feel like even in the short 40 minutes we spent here i learned a lot so just wanted to say thank you for taking the time out of your day and uh it's been a no, pleasure thank you yeah thank you and thank you for uh having me on